It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. I am Steve Cofield. Come on and do it with me. The tight shorts typhoon. I'm like a, a leaf blower. I'm like a wood chipper. I'm like a, a blender on puree. I need you. I am Steve Cofield. 351 pounds, allegedly. Even if he does look like Eric Gregg ate James Tony. Now I'm very angry. With Steve Cofield and Adam Hill. Every single one of you are going to get punished by God. You cannot escape God. It's Five o'clock hour. Here we go. Here we go. Big weekend on the way. Big Cofield and Company weekend on the way. One of the uh, company members, former company member, and there's like, we, we, we have so many friends. People love us. <laughs> uh, former company member, Taylor Byrne, is actually getting married this weekend. I feel like he may not have invited everyone he should have, so we sh- maybe we shouldn't be talking about it anymore. Uh-oh. You know, can we put that in the tease board for the grab bag? We, <laughs> Somebody I just, in particular? I actually, I was just, because uh, I can multitask, I was just making my favorite joke now on social media uh, with Kansas fans is uh, you'll, you know, you'll have a lot of success in the Mountain West um, when the Big 12 falls apart. Um, so I just made a list of the best Mountain West Conference football stadiums, and I have Kansas ninth. Um, we need to make a list during a break of all the company members over the years so we can see who wasn't invited. Ooh. I feel like both. I don't, you know, I'm trying to think back who the producers were. Well, and point. if the producers got invited. Fair point. Because uh, Ari has signed a 10-year a, a um, five-figure deal. That's not good. Ari that wasn't. Doesn't, that doesn't sound good. That didn't sound good at all. I feel like Ari wasn't producing the show. I think. No, I feel wasn't. like JVT was the producer of the show at the time. We're going to have to this out. This is for the grab That's bag. why JVT is going. This is for the grab We love list. We love List. All the hosts at Lotus Broadcasting love List, and they tweet about it. Big Five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. So Adam's not a Madden player, but he knows a lot about Madden. And one of the things he brings up all the time is when poor ratings come in for certain players, like they'll make a call. Uh, who was the kicker last week? Uh, you were talking about McAfee? Yeah. Right? So McAfee, when he was a punter, Pat McAfee, who does the show now, uh, when he was a punter, like called him up and he's like, get, get out of here. You're tell- telling me I'm a terrible athlete. Here you go. Throw, kick, run. I'm a great athlete. Raise my numbers. But they actually have Madden people who go around and make adjustments during the season. So that's the actual people in the game. Now, is there a hotline for actual video game players? Well, there what- is now. Because okay. you're right. They they set up shop at each of the team facilities yeah. and listen to players' feedback that are mad about the ratings, and they adjust, and they'll, you know, if they see something new, check out a practice. They see, okay, this guy can block. He just doesn't do it in the game. All right, well, just they open up a hotline this year for people to call in and complain about ratings. Hey, look, I, my favorite player has a 94 in speed. He should be a 98. What are you doing? Now, you know people are going to call. Because people are crazy and they'll, they'll get involved in these things for sure. But I, they were stunned by the response. And I feel like I was a little bit too. In the first six hours, the hotline was open. 1,000 people called. 1,000 people. And I, I'm not usually a don't you have anything better to do person. Because I will 
obsess over the smallest of details of anything. So I'm not going to say, don't you have anything better to do? But I do feel like you got to pick your battles. I don't think you need to spend all day on hold to complain about somebody's Madden rating. But I guess some people do. It's a little crazy. I, mean, I, I know people like playing video games, but I'm not I'm not calling up Madden to complain. Stop. I mean, me me and uh, somebody in this building, Gooch, I don't think he's here right now. I tried to look for him, and there's something going on. Uh, but he, we used to have just epic battles. Just insane battles yeah. that often turn violent. I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't want to go into this because, you know, Madden was not my era. It was sure. Tech Mobile. So sure. I told you we had, you know, Tech Mobile was intense too. Especially if you got the right team. If you had the wrong team, you were, you were screwed. But we had we had one guy, Mike, uh, who broke the arms off a chair over time because he would just sit there and be like, ah, and punch the side of the chair. And uh, we did make another guy cry one time. Well, like, he just stormed out of the room because we were riding him so much. And uh, he just, of the five people, he was the one who really couldn't take the, the ball busting. I've told a couple of, like, great Madden fight stories between me and Gucci over there. I, I do think one of the great ones was he he threw, you know, the a cordless phone? You know, not a not a cell course, phone, yeah, but like a cordless yeah, phone yeah. that we used to have. Yeah. He threw it through the window once. Uh, broke the window of our apartment. Because, oh, he didn't throw it out the window. He no, threw he it through threw, a window. Through a window. Holy crap. Uh, because the first year that Madden introduced hot routes, so you could you could run no huddle offense, right, and then go to the line and tell individual receivers to adjust their routes to a different route. So if you caught somebody in the wrong defense, so you, what I would do every time because he couldn't figure out how to audible yeah. on defense, I would run, I would I would set up a run like a goal line type run, yeah. run it. Then the next play, he would try to run a defense to stop it, and then I would just call. Audible spread out wide, go go vert, and just have everybody he's go got deep. The box all stacked. And he was getting furious, furious. And he's like, "No hot route. There's not hot routes allowed anymore." And and I just kept doing it, and just I think I beat him like seventy eight to nothing. <laughs> and then he got so mad that he threw the cordless phone through the window. He might call the ratings and say, "I need better corners because I do you need to give my cornerback a better rating so that I can p- defend the hot route." Number four. Adam has a gift. If he knows you have a weakness, he is going to drive it. you into the ground. And I sure. think that may happen over the next couple of days with morning show. Actually, management member oh. Jared, who used to work on the morning he's, show. He's driving me nuts, man. I I was about to snap during a break when you told me this. Well, this, by the way, just so you know, because you're frustrated at the 10 minutes that you saw me dealing with it. This started in Cabo. He he like told me because <laughs> it's so so the background and, and you know we've talked about it a little bit on the show while I was hosting a morning show a couple weeks ago we ordered a giant inflatable Ben Wallace that legitimately is close to eight feet tall for the studio uh, you every time you come in throw it out of the studio it's supposed to be in the studio at all times that's why I purchased it Steve likes to throw it out in the hallway and uh, not participate in Ben Wallace being here. I love the Ben Wallace. So as we were on, I told him to order it. And it all started because he thought it was Rasheed Wallace. And then I said that we figured out it was Ben. But we have it for the studio now. It's giant. It's great. Mm-hmm. And so I t- <laughs> now and now he's looking into the studio. I, pr- I told him, just go ahead and order it. And then I'll give you the money. So it came. He texted me, hey, look, this thing is here. It's blown up. It's awesome. I was on vacation. I said, cool. Send me your ca- whatever cash app you have. And I'll send you money. He didn't respond. Two days later, 
I realized he hadn't responded. I sent it back. No response. So this has now gone on a while. Now, today, we're texting back and forth during the show about the Ben Wallace because he said, why does Steve keep kicking it out of the studio? And... I told him he, he just doesn't like it. I try which, to keep which, By the way, that we're renovating a studio, so they had a big garbage day. They had a dumpster outside, and there was a bunch of trash outside one of the rock studios, and I threw it on the trash. Yeah, you did. Uh, and I don't see it now, so I'm hoping well, it's, it's in the dumpster. It's, no, it's standing outside. It was it was just looking into the window. Somebody was holding it up. I assume it's Jared. Now, we since we were talking about it, he goes, oh, by the way, like not to you know bother you, but you did say you'd pay for it. And I was like, yeah, what is your cash app? And so he didn't respond. So I said, Jared, what is your Venmo? And finally he responded and said, yeah, I don't have one. But even more than that, he goes, I don't have Venmo Daddy Warbucks. As if to apply that if you have Venmo, you're some sort of wealthy, like independently wealthy billionaire or something. This is not, this is not, and by the way, he's not 80 years old either. How do we have people under 35 in the building who have like, no clue technology. I mean, by the way, is Jared under thirty-five? I think he's way older than we think he is. Is that right? Yeah. But do we have any? Do we have any I think Demond's the young. Well, like all of our producers are older than us. I'm old. <laughs> Why are you still here? He, he's. I mean, we he's, love he's the job. He's looking in again. By the way, yeah. get so his response was. I said, "How do you get money from people?" Yeah. And he said, "Well, usually by exchanging cash." This That's is not ridiculous. 1964, yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah. JVT, I don't J- have cash. JVT hammered me yesterday because I thought that uh, Charles Barkley not having an ATM. He, he doesn't have to use an ATM. Casey Stern, former TNT guy, told us that. And JVT looks at me. He's like, why would you ever need an ATM? And I'm like, to get some cash every once in a while. I mean, I don't think that's like a crazy notion. But you're right. At the, in this age, you don't have a Venmo, then you're probably not getting paid. Yeah. By, by the 2022. Way, the- enter this year. The wedding that we've been re- discussing that we're going to tomorrow ha- literally has the Venmo uh, of both parties, and they have a special wedding one just for gifts on the wedding website. That's great. Yeah. So easy. Here. Oh, I didn't even know that. Cash. Oh, oh, good. Yeah. I'm set. It's fantastic. Yeah. Our buddy Kirk from Kansas City just said, let me write that. Let me write the check out the cash. Yeah, what What do we do? I, I don't. First of all, I've never written a check in my life. I don't know that I would know how I to do it. I hate writing checks. I still do it every once in a while to pay, you know, like a service person. But you so but I, what, you know what? Honestly, I kind of do it just because I know it's a hassle. So I'm jerk on that. I owe Jared twenty dollars. He wants me to g- leave the studio, yeah. go to what an ATM machine and get cash and bring it back to him. Are we nuts? How much do you owe him? Twenty dollars. All right, here's twenty. I have Venmo. Okay, I'll Venmo you the twenty. But he's right. That, to tell if he's standing outside the he's window. He's not coming again. in. He already barged in his own show that he wasn't doing today to ruin that one <laughs> when I was listening. So okay. he's not coming in. You can pay him. Pay him during a break. Okay. Number three. That was it. What do we? That do? was it. You pause. I know. And Ari's moving on. I will say I could see Jared at some point in his life living in an old bus. <laughs> sure, I think he probably does now. I don't know that I would live in an old bus, but I would. I'm thinking down down the road that I might be on the road, as long as gas holds steady. Like if it's still five dollars a gallon, fifteen years from now, I might do it. But Gardner Minshew apparently was living in an old. But he's a weird guy, but kind of admirable. He was living in an old bus behind his gym during the off season because he wanted to be close to the gym. Yes, he at, he told his trainer. And by the way, I just noticed I paid you thirty dollars for tacos in two thousand twenty, which is fantastic. I, I think it was when Gramala tried them. We haven't the really. I don't think we've really uh, had uh, much action on Venmo together. Uh, but I have. No. Um, 
Yeah, and you, by the way, have the twenty dollars right now, so Sweet. that's Thank wonderful. You. Uh, see how hard that was, Jared. Yeah. You, you want to look into so getting, easy, getting cash up? Um, well, so, can I read the description? <laughs> what do you not want to get caught for? Oh, actually, yeah, that is a good description. I was thinking you you tagged it Big Ben, and I yeah. thought you were talking about Roethlisberger, but I forgot Ben Wallace. Well, I also I what I tried to do was put a, a GIF of Big Ben, but then it doesn't let you put GIFs in the in the description. So I just wrote Big Ben. I have a nice balance in Venmo. I think I'm going to transfer that. What do you got? Eight hundred twenty-one dollars. What? I, I was I forgot I always have money in there. I'm sure they're just saying that's that's we're gonna find out that's down fantastic. the road. Venmo's been siphoning money out of out of everyone's <laughs> yeah, accounts exactly. for years. You idiot. You one, gotta move it as quickly as possible. One cent at a time so you don't notice right. and they deserve rich. Uh so yes, Gardner Minshew called up his trainer and said, Look, I'm planning on living in an old bus this off season. I'm gonna park it behind the gym so I can just work out all the time. And the trainer laughed and said that would be hilarious. And then he said the next day he just heard the horns and he's like, What wait, what? And he goes out, and there's Gardner Minshew in his stupid cutoff shorts. Just pull it up. Honking the horn, pull it up behind the gym, moving in. Has anyone seen the bus? Is it decent? I saw it. It's a. It's called. It's referred to as an old prison bus. Wow. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Wow. But he, he's, there's a picture of him just standing on top of the bus. It doesn't look very fancy. Yeah. That's a Philly thing. I think that works in Philly. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the Eagles, Eagles fans? You know they're going to love it. They'll love him. Oh, they already do love him. He, he's beloved by fan bases no matter oh, where he, he is. He is seconds away, or Jalen Hurts is seconds away from getting Minshew chance thrown his way. Like in, in, I guess it wouldn't be seconds, but like game two or three of the season. There's Minshew mania. They're all so ready the for Minshew mania. Oh, the, the bus is just going to be flooded with fans chanting for him every week. Number two. Ah, damn it. Javen White got cut. But your Freaking team? Freaking Jets. Your team. Cut Beckton. Keep Javen. I don't they want to st- cut Beckton. <laughs> that was a high pick. They st- they st- stole him off the Raiders practice squad near the end of last year, signed him to the active roster, and now he's gone. Which, by the way, Raiders lost a linebacker today, so maybe. I mean, it is a new administration. They don't have the same relationship with him, but you never know. I'd love to see him continue to get chances. He got, you know, he got it really a you know bum luck by hurting his leg. He hasn't really had a fair chance to make a good run at the NFL. Former UNLV player, if people don't know, Northern yeah. California guy. Yeah, it, it would be it would be nice for them to. Uh, you know, to, to bring him back. But I think Javen White will probably catch on somewhere. I think somebody will, will bring him in, at least give him another shot to, to try to make a team. He's he's a guy that has a lot of ability and is a very versatile player. Doesn't necessarily have a prototypical type position. But that's kind of the direction that uh, teams are going anyway. The league is going in. So uh, it would make some sense, I think, to, uh, to have somebody sign him and bring him in. Number one. Well, maybe we'll see him on the Raiders. Raiders are... Like you said, signing guys, cutting guys, positions are starting to sort themselves out a little bit. You know, when I was at practice the other day, you're there every day. You know, at the beginning of practice, they're running some scramble drills. Um, you know, I like to sit there and you know take some notes. And I was like, okay, offensive line, 74, 76, 68, 67, 75, going from left tackle to right tackle. I was like, ah, that's what they're doing right now. That doesn't mean that's going to be the one line, or will it? Brandon Parker, right tackle. Well. I think it's safe to say, based on the way that they've lined up every day, that there there is a first and a second team. I mean, they're rotating reps and they're doing all that. But I think, in general, I'm not just saying the offensive line. But there, there's a ones and there's a twos, and they're not necessarily interchangeable all the time anymore. I mean, did I mention Alex Leatherwood's number in that mix? No, I don't think it. I did. I didn't hear. Wait, it. what the hell's happening here? Uh, right now, if the season started today, based on their rotations, again, this can change at any time. Exactly. Alex Leatherwood would be would be second team, based on how they're managing their practice reps. Uh, 
it could very well be that they're just trying to send him a message. Like they're they're making it clear that he's the second team right tackle right now in order to inspire him, motivate him, whatever it is, uh, to move up. But I, I think it's fair to say it's no longer, you know, all through the offseason it was, well, we're just mixing and matching, don't read anything into it. Well, the, the first team guys that you just mentioned are taking the first team reps in every drill, every 11 on 11, every like every single thing that they're doing, those guys are going first. That would be, I think, the first team right now if they were to start. But that doesn't mean it's going to be on Thursday. First of all, don't think those guys are playing on Thursday. Uh, but uh, that would you don't, be like you don't you don't think you don't think they'll play the the guard battle guard battle out a little bit in the Hall of Fame game. It's, it's possible, especially with fewer fewer preseason games now. We don't know how they're going to manage it, but um, it does seem like you know look at what the, at the running back room right now. Like they bring in a running back today, Austin Walter, because who's playing on Thursday? Right now, Zamir White is down. He hasn't been at the practice field. I doubt he'll be playing on Thursday. I don't think he'll have Jacobs or Drake or potentially Bolden playing. On Thursday, so who's going to run the ball? They need to bring in a running back to just to run the ball oh because gosh. I think they're going to use a lot of depth. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's kind of what you're dealing with right now, trying to figure out who's going to be playing in these early preseason games and how much you're going to play starters. It is a new staff, so maybe they want to see how guys are responding. They also are not tackling at all in training camp, like zero tackles to the ground. So that's the only time you're actually going to be work on fully tackling. So maybe you want to get guys a little bit more reps there. Uh, to to just get the feel of that contact, we'll we'll see how they play it out. But I think the the point the conversation we were having, yes, those guys that you mentioned are the first team offensive line at this moment. Pac-12 media day has gone down the last couple of days. The commissioner spoke this morning. We're getting into a little Pac-12 football as uh, Pac-12 Network's Yogi Roth is up in less than ten minutes. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Someone was trying to set you up for a challenge with Usain Bolt, where you'd both have to run the 100, but you have to eat a hot dog at the beginning of the 100. So what's the conclusion on this thing? Would you smoke them? Oh, dude. So right now my leg's still messed up. If, if it gets better, I can guarantee I'd beat him if we had two hot dogs. But one hot dog, yeah. he might be able to get one hot dog really fast. He's a professional athlete. So yeah. I think two hot dogs, I would get him. If, if it's just one hot dog, it could be really... If he finishes the hot dog real fast, and then he'll annihilate me in the run. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Maybe our dream will come true someday when Chestnut's leg is healed up. I don't know who's going to put up the money. I assume the Saudis. I would assume the person who came up with the challenge. Do you know who came up with the challenge? Was it someone who's super wealthy? Well, yeah, now he is. Oh, wow, okay. Hunter Renfro? Oh, that's right. Renfro did. Yeah. So describe the challenge again. That was Joey Chestnut. He was on with us on Tuesday. On Wednesday, he did set a new chicken finger record. There wasn't a record, but he set... The bar for it's gonna be tough to the beat. future. Five minutes, he ate forty-four raising canes chicken fingers. And again, those are not those. These are not like skimpy out of the bag grocery store chicken fingers. Raising canes is awesome. Yeah, that's. I think that's the that's the point. Those it's are like meaty a, chicken fingers. It's not a nugget. No. <laughs> it's a finger. Forty-four in five yeah, minutes. That's insane. Uh, very impressive. But the record. bet against Usain Bolt could be what? So it was Hunter Renfro pr- proposed that they would stand at the starting line, have to finish a hot dog. And then run 100 meters. Who wins? And Joey Chestnut said, well, if it was two hot dogs, I would win. Uh, I feel, I don't know. I think, I feel like a normal person eating a hot dog takes 
Even if you're trying to go fast, 20 seconds? There's a bun? Yeah. Okay. But how, like, a, even if you jam the hot dog and then try to chew it and swallow it, don't you think like 20 seconds to eat a hot dog for a normal person? 20 seconds? Yeah, maybe for a normal person. If, the fastest you, if you go the fastest you possibly can? I mean, I feel like I could do it faster, but I don't want to. I don't well, even want to try. It's a race. Yeah. It's a race, I'm saying. I know. I get it. So I think, uh, I, so my in my head, I thought, okay, 20 seconds for Usain Bolt to eat the hot dog, and then to run the 100 is like 11 seconds for him, 10.5. So you still think a one hot dog, Chestnut would kill him? Yeah, I think that's like 30.5 seconds, and I think Chestnut eats the hot dog in probably four seconds, and then Might he's got- faster. He's got like 26 seconds to run the 100. I think he, he can do it. He told us the other day he could eat a chicken finger every six seconds. He, right. he was a little below that pace. So I think he could actually do I think he can eat a hot dog in like two and a half seconds. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it is <laughs> so crazy. But you're also, when, when he's doing the chicken finger, so I'm really going deep in the yeah. data here. But when you're eating the chicken finger, you're still swallowing one while you're already starting to eat the next one. Yeah. The, the hot dog start to finish is... Eat the hot dog, chew it, swallow it, which I think he, I'm saying like four to five seconds for him okay. and like 20 seconds for Bolt. I just think he has a massive head start. So, if, like I said, if Bolt goes 20 seconds for the hot dog in 10.8, whatever it is, to, to run the 100, that's you know 30.8 seconds. And if Chestnut eats the hot dog in four to five seconds, now he's got 25 seconds to run the 100? I think he could do that. So I hope this happens. I'm not making a claim that Joey Chestnut is some world-class speed demon. No. But I'm, I'm thinking he has like 25 seconds to run the 100. I think he wins. So that that's where I stand on it. Uh, if it, the race was longer, I think Usain Bolt easily wins. But I, I think that's about where we are. 364-1100, caller 7, Red Hot Chili Peppers tickets. Let's do it. Let's do it. August 6th, you can get your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. It's at the Owl, 364-1100, caller 7, Red Hot Chili Pepper tickets. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. We are in the enviable position of being next to market after the Big Ten. With the value of premium college sports rights continuing to rise, multiple interested media partners, and limited opportunities, particularly in the West, we are confident in the long-term value of our rights. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. I'm bullish on the future of the Pac-12. That was the commission speaking today, fighting back against all the negativity being lobbed the conference's way by you know folks in the Big 12 and, and elsewhere. I'm bullish on the Pac-12. You're not so bullish on the future of the Pac-12. Well, I'm not necessarily not bullish on it, but it's you got to go. Like the like the the thought today, and I I liked a lot of what he said today, but it's hey, we hear the Big Twelve is open for business. We don't don't know if we're going to shop there. Okay, like I get that. There's not time for this. Somebody is going to make a move soon. We heard rumors it was last week it was going to happen. Could happen tomorrow. No, okay, it it's not going to happen tomorrow. It could. No, it's not going to. That's what the Pac-12 did last time. Remember I'm not saying season? wait forever. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Okay. This, this whole panic then thing is ridiculous. You're right. Maybe Monday because it's the weekend and people don't like to work on the weekend. Maybe it happens Monday. It's going to happen very soon. Some leagues are going away. Like I don't I don't know if people are processing the the enormity of what's going to happen in college sports. Leagues will be going away. There will be leagues that don't exist anymore. So go. 
Let's bring in a Pac-12 expert. Yogi Roth is up with Cofield and Company. Steve and Adam here in Vegas. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. We were just, uh, as we've been doing for weeks and weeks and weeks, because we have Mountain West concerns here in Vegas, and Pac-12 ties as well, we were just arguing about you know the future of the Pac-12. I'm more positive on it. Adam's freaking out a little bit. He thinks a lot of stuff's going to be happening coming up. What was the vibe around the media days in terms of what the hell's been going on the last three weeks? Yeah, well, number one, thanks for having me on. Um, apologize for a little bit of noise. Still here at media days. <laughs> a little bit going on behind me. Um, but the, the vibe was anticipatory probably coming in, right? Everybody wanted to see and hear what our commissioner, George Klyovkov, would say. And, and everybody heard it, right? Loud and clear. It was all over social media, the Internet. Any reporter who was there today or picked it up saw the stance of the league. And I think the stance is one of college athletics has changed. College football has changed. We know what the driver is, which it seems to be money. Uh, but our teams aren't going to quit, right? Ten teams aren't just going to fold on football. Like, our teams are seemingly really united right now and confident about the brand of football and the direction of our, of our conference. And, and I love that. You know, after all the turmoil, I think all of us, being honest, we're shaken. What's, what's going to happen? Uh, is it going to dissipate, right, all the rumors that happened within that first what, 72 hours or so of SC and UCLA leaving? Now, George Klyakov has calmed the waters uh, in our eyes, and I think when I talk to ADs and coaches for the last couple of days here in Los Angeles, everybody feels really good that the conference is gonna is gonna be okay, right? It's gonna elevate, it's gonna survive, it's gonna thrive, it's gonna change, it's gonna look differently. But I think we're all excited about how we're gonna emerge from this, how we really, frankly, have emerged from this over the last couple of weeks among so many different narratives being thrown around and. I like the fact that our commissioner got up and said what he said, and was just blunt and honest, because we've been taking a lot of shots lately that have just been inaccurate when, when you talk to the people that are actually in the room. I, I like what he said, too, and I, you, know, you pointed out it's calming the waters. My, my take, and Steve you know, said I was uh, uh, being you know, not bullish about the future of the conference. I, I, I am if they act. And and when you talk about you know being patient and trying to figure it out and move forward in the right manner, that's all good. But like I do feel like there's a time constraint on this where other people are going to act, and if there's no motion by the Pac-12, they could potentially just be left behind. Yeah, well, I think this is the part that's you know at some point becomes humorous because everyone in the world becomes a media rights expert. (laughs) Like like every analyst. Like I was laughing with Joel Klatt last night because we're like all we keep getting asked is media rights questions, and you, me, none of us have, and I don't, I don't want to project on you guys, but yeah. I've never done a media rights deal outside right. my own podcast. Right? <laughs> right, right, like, right. We don't know squat about that. Now, what we have learned is that this phrase, grant of rights, is real. And like, you can't bail on a league. And now we've got leagues outside of the SEC and Big Ten that are saying, okay, what is the value of where we sit? And we have a certain grant of rights, whether it's the Big 12, theirs expires in a couple years. Ours is obviously up earlier than theirs. So there's a, there's a lot that goes into that, and I say that because I think that is calming the waters. Like, I don't see it. Why would a Pac-12 team go to the Big 12 when you know that we're going to make a better deal prior to them and you're going to make more money, right? And I think that's the nuanced side of it that none, I'm not claiming to be an expert, but I know some of the general elements there. And that's been the frustrating part, I think, for a lot of ADs and coaches when all these rumors come out of, hey, the, the Big 12 pulled the Pac-12 that we don't want you. When, when you look at it, and you're like, it's really not the case. That isn't how it really went down. So, look, a, a lot of rumors, a lot of narratives, and, and where I kind of netted out on this whole thing after talking to, again, coaches, leadership in, in our league, is I'm going to commit to talking about 
the only reason why we're here, which is the players right. and the teams. And that's what made today amazing. The stories from interviewing 24 college football players, 12 coaches, talking to ADs all, all throughout the day was awesome. It was awesome, man. Whether it was Lincoln Riley or Chip Kelly and their players or Kalen DeBoer and Jake Dickard, you know, two of the other new coaches or Dan Lanning. It's, it's awesome, man. And, and we should be celebrating that and hyping up Cam Rising for a Heisman. I think he's worthy of that. And Utah is the defending champ, likely winning it again. At least they have all the tools to do that. So that's kind of how I netted out of I'm not going to be the get-off-my-lawn guy and claim I know everything in media rights. I don't know squat other than what I just share with you. What I do know is I know the game, and I know the players allow us to even talk about media rights. I'm going to celebrate that. Yogi Roth, Pac-12 Network, played his college football at Pittsburgh, also coached at USC. Yeah, I was at Mountain West Conference Football Media Day uh, whenever it was last week, and I had all the coaches on, and I asked them a little bit about conference realignment, but we focused mostly on the football because, you know, again, all that stuff is still uh, in the future. I want to get back to what's going on right now in a couple minutes, but I did want to mention your book. Uh, you have co-authored a book called Five Star Quarterback. What's it about? Oh, it's really cool, dude. You guys will love it. Uh, Five Star QB, I've spent the last three years working on this book, and I'm just jacked that it's out. Ultimately, I've been in this profession over 20 years now, specifically around quarterbacks, and they've all asked the same questions. Recruiting, transferring, now NIL, mental health, how to operate on campus, how to handle a quarterback meeting room. And their parents have asked even more questions. So I said, you know what, let's create a book that will serve as a tribe of mentors and a bunch of wisdom for all these people going through the process, whether you're a two-star player or a five-star player, some advice. So we interviewed 54 of the best, most highly profiled quarterbacks in history, whether that's Caleb Williams and Bo Nix, who are currently playing, or Mark Sanchez and Rep Bomar and Ryan Perilu, guys from the past that were ballers in their own right. We asked them the same questions, and they gave their advice. We layered in 40 letters from ambassadors of the game, like, David Shaw, Chip Kelly, Pete Carroll wrote the forward, John Schneider of the Seattle Seahawks, Dan Lanning, Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day, Brenda Tracy, the Holinsky family, to give advice to all these parents and players throughout the process. We had Christian McCaffrey's mom write a letter. We had Bryce Young's father, C.J. Stroud's mother, Kimberly. Wow. Just to pour in and be like, you know what? If there was one place I needed to go, you know, I needed to figure out how to manage this journey, our book is the place. And the cherry on top is fans. Because you and I both know, fancy a committed player who's a huge recruit, they think he's the savior. Right. The numbers don't bear that out, man. Right. That's right. never reality. <laughs> so the cover is all the faces of these quarterbacks. I want people to see their faces, not just their jersey, not just their arm, and humanize these guys. And the book does that. Uh, I'd love to hear what you think. If you have a chance to check it out, you just go to Amazon. Anybody can get it. And the feedback's been cool, just being here at Media Day and people picking it up. And I get it. Yeah, I admit this is not fair, uh, but I'll just I'll throw it out to you. In, in, a, in a whole book of all this different advice, was there anything to you that just kind of popped out and said, "Wow, like this is something I would absolutely tell somebody uh, if if they you know were to ask seek advice and, and what you learned from the book?" Well, yeah, out of the fifty four quarterbacks I talked to, not one said my dream was to be a five star quarterback. <laughs> Nobody's asking for that label. That label gets put on them. They have to deal with it, right? They have to deal with those expectations. I look at Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, same class, both played in L.A. One was a three-star, one was a five-star. Their path is just different. You know, it's easier to navigate. And every quarterback I interviewed, they said the same thing. They were like, I didn't ask for this, and I didn't necessarily have the tools to deal with it. God, it was hard. And I, I just say that because, you know, 
rankings are not going away. Hype is only growing. NIL is only adding to it. Yeah. You know, us being on TV, talking about it, or on your show is only adding to it. But I, it was just a great reminder that, you know what, because Blake Barnett didn't play in the NFL and played at three schools, including Alabama, he's got two kids. He's an awesome dad. He's got a great job. He's not a failure. He's not a bust. And I think we just label athletes bust if they don't live up to other people's expectations. And that's the thing that stood out was the human side of catching up with guys that are in their mid-30s, right, that have families or are in their 20s and, and never played in college and aren't in the NFL, but some of their peers are. Five-star QB, Yogi Roth, one of the co-authors of the book. You know, it, it can grind guys to bits, and we experienced one of those guys from high school to back here at UNLV last year in Tate Martell. And I'm part of the UNLV broadcast team, you know, and I watched a kid trying to work and work through injuries, and you could just see he, he didn't have what he used to have when he was 17, 18 years old. And, and I read the comments about the guy on the Internet, and I'm like, man, there are a lot of mean people out there, a lot of mean people out there. Bro, so I've, I've known Tate for a long time, and let's just start with the process of coaches, right? I think everybody's at fault in this thing. And also, it's really cool for the player. Like, I'm not here to say players, you know, it's a really hard road to have 40 scholarship offers. <laughs> right, like, I, right. The first line in the book compares and contrasts a, ten, uh, a kid in 10th grade going to his phone and saying, wow, I've got 50 DMs from some of the biggest names in the business, and this is hard. And also says, well, I got 50 scholarships from 50 of the best schools in the business, this is awesome. And that's where 14, 15 year old kids live. And for Tate specifically, he was 14 when he was offered at Washington. Yeah. 14, committed in like ninth grade, eighth or ninth grade, and then committed to AM. I remember being around him, and then it was Ohio State, then it was Miami. And I just think, in my opinion, those rankings set him up to never live up to him. They just couldn't. They just couldn't. And I've seen that time and time and time again, whether it was Ricky Town, was at USC, ended up being at three schools. It's just hard for these guys. and The rankings aren't going anywhere, but I think we need to be giving parents and coaches and those players more tools to be able to manage it. And that's what I hope this book serves as. I hope every next Tate Martell has this book and is writing in the margin. Wow, I'm going to use this. I'm going to ask my coach about mental health and how he front loads that in our program before I even think about NIL within his program. And I hope that happens, and, and I hope it helps one guy and you know, maybe hundreds or thousands of more over the course of their journey. Grab the book at Amazon, five-star quarterback Yogi Roth. Uh, we'd love to get you on you know, about a month from now before that Cal game against UNLV, but certainly we always love leaning on you for Pac-12 knowledge. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I'm fired up for Marcus Arroyo. I'm a, I'm a good friend of his, and I love how he's built that thing. You know, He's done it the right way. It hasn't been fast or as fast as probably people want, but I'm jacked for that program. His, his quarterback transfer from Tennessee is actually in the book, so... You know, these fans want a little bit of knowledge on on his path. Might be worth the read as well. Thanks, Yogi. All right, man. Later. Harrison Bailey, who he was talking about. Yeah. So, the quarterback mix with UNLV now, Cam Friel, Doug Brumfield, who I just saw tweet yesterday about loving the process. It's a big thing with quarterbacks. Like, you better like the process because you have to do a lot of thinking and a lot of studying. And we found out on the pro level with that uh, clause in Kyler Murray's deal. Um, I didn't, you know, I just mentioned Harrison Bailey and, of course, uh, Jaden Maiava, who's a local from Liberty. Yeah, the quarterback thing is so fascinating because you, you and I have watched college football forever, and we both like recruiting, and there are, there are so many guys who come from out of nowhere who are two-stars, three-star guys who turn into great quarterbacks. And a lot of the five-stars, it's just some of them, I mean, like in Tate's case, I just he was so highly rated, but yet 
such a small guy. He got so overhyped, and then he got full of it. Then his family was into it. And then once you go to some of these schools, or you come in, they're like, all right, well, we, we have like we have four other guys like you. So yeah. either you do the work and stick to it and not have an attitude. And, you know, he kind of did himself in. And I'm telling you, last year, I know everyone didn't get to see, you know, what we saw at practice. Because people are, I mean, I forget, like, it was probably a, a week after uh, he had committed, right? And I knew he wasn't healthy. And people are writing me. They're like, well, he's clearly going to be a starter. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, and then you go out there and you're like, he's, he's not 100%. Well, it's also, as you mentioned, I mean, the same system that is designed to start hyping up and telling you how awesome you are is the same one that will be like, why do you think you're so good? You haven't done it yet. Why are you so, why do you have such an ego? Because you. Right. Like, you did it and then get on me for having an ego that you built up. It's, it's, it's amazing. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studios. What this world needs is a few more redheads. So people ain't afraid to take a stand. What this world needs is a little more respect. For the Lord and the law and the working man. I like that song, Charlie Daniels. And I heard it actually, was that this morning? I think I heard it this morning, right? Play a little outlaw country. And it got me thinking, believe it or not, of what's been going on the last three weeks in college football. So that's a Charlie Daniels song from like 35 plus years ago, right? And there's a lot of culture war in that whole thing, right? And... I really believe a lot of the Big 12 bashing of the Pac-12 is part of a culture war, right? People have been trained and instructed and fed this stuff that the West Coast sucks. It lacks passion. I had a guy the other day who I engaged with who actually was an old um, Sirius XM MMA caller, Dan from Oregon. And I saw him make a comment about the Pac-12 is going to destroy itself and, you know, taking a, a patient approach, that must be some Cali elitist. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go down the path on this conversation. I'll tell you where it went in a second. But I think a lot of the Big 12 attack, and that, that goes all the way up to the commissioner, right? And then they're feeding Dennis Dodd, and he's just reporting what he's told. He's the CBS uh, sports college football guy, but he's a Midwest guy. But a lot of it has been this, it's a PR campaign. Hey, we're good. They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not. Oh, we don't want you guys. When I saw that, I was like, ah! oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Seattle and Portland and San Francisco and Phoenix should be freaking out because Ames, Iowa doesn't want them, right? So am I wrong on this? Do you think this is part of this thing where you've got, you've got the, the Big 12 and kind of the whole Midwest thing? And they're looking at, you know, they think of that as a you know, California, Oregon, Washington conference. And some of that stuff kind of, you know, times are changing. In college football, I can't, I can't mention it enough. Realignment the last 20 years has been about big markets. 
You know, the very, very seldom, I'll say it for like the fifth straight day, like Blacksburg, Virginia, and VTAC, that was a long time ago. No, the conferences aren't seeking out places like that. It's D.C., it's New Jersey, New York, it's L.A., it's Cincinnati. Cincinnati's not big, but it's still a, a market, you know, you know, a top 35 market. Orlando, Salt Lake, Houston. Like, do you see some of that in here, in some of this discussion? The Big 12 is kind of like, they're feeling a little bit, as uh, Klyavkov said today, they're feeling a little bit shaky here. They're feeling a little bit scared well, about sure. the future. They all, ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12, the schools that don't look like they're candidates to go to the SEC and the Big Ten should all be scared. Oh, yeah, they should. But uh, what I, I mean, the that's what I had. That's the one problem I had with the Pac-12 you know, commissioner today, Klavkov, when he was talking and he, he said, oh, they, you know, they, they might be nervous about what's going to happen. You need to be, everybody needs to be nervous. Adam, I'm, I'm sure they are, but they have to project something publicly to show a little bit of strength. Cause you're also trying, he also said, Hey, we will have a TV rights deal done soon. And everyone on our conference is on board and we'll sign quickly. Now, do I believe that? Like, that's what they told him. Yeah. There's going to be other workings where who knows the big. I mean, Kevin Warren didn't do anyone a favor the other day. The Big Ten commissioner, when he just laundry list all the schools that he and the Big Ten might be interested in, from the top of the Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington, Cal, Stanford, Miami, Florida State. You're like, what the? No, he didn't do anyone any favors, but that's what he should be doing. That's well, what no, everybody should but be doing. I also think there's a method to the madness of the Big Ten, um, and it also goes with the attack on the Pac-12. The Pac-12 was one of those conferences that push back on the playoff system. And I really believe the the a lot of the Big 10 people are like, "You know what? F them." Now we're now we're going to grab their two best, you know, schools in the best market. You didn't want to get into this thing? We have the power. Now publicly, we are going to bust your balls. There's I mean, a lot yeah. of gamesmanship going on yeah. here. Yeah. But I mean, again, my my thought all along has been either the Big 12 or the Pac-12 will not exist or will exist in Division 2. Like that to me is a certainty. So there does need to be some sort of like you could you could sign if, if you're if let's just say the Pac-12 does have this, hey look, we're gonna sign this TV deal. Everybody's on board, we're gonna sign it. And we're gonna play a bunch of games against ourselves and Montana State and North Dakota State and because we're not in Division One anymore. Because that is going to happen. Yeah, I think you're giving an extreme example, but I get it. There'll be a big two uh, there could be a big four. It right. may only involve 48 schools. It could involve 64. There's going to be like a uh, a group of five that will be sort of a division two. They'll have a chance to get into a tournament, but it'll be as bad as it is now or worse. Yeah, I think it'll be, I think 64 is probably about right. Or let's see, I'm trying to do math. <laughs> it, could be, it, could be, it could be four of 16. Four yeah. 16 team conferences, four conferences of 16 teams. Yeah. And, uh, or, it, you know, it could go as big as uh, the SEC and the Big Ten have 20 teams apiece. That could happen. They could, yeah, have, I, they could have 24 teams apiece. I kind of feel like the four four conferences of 16, then they'll break off from the NCAA mm-hmm. and they're a Division One, and then everybody else kind of fights for space behind it. So, like, I do I do think there needs to be that, that panic and that, but you can't project it. You're right. But it, it is, there is some time constraints on this. So you have to figure it out. In the Pac 12 last year, it wasn't, it wasn't Klyovka, it was Larry Scott, Sam Top. We're, yeah. we're good right now. We don't need to expand, and we're good where we are. That was a death knell for them, at least temporarily. Yeah, I think he gets it. I think he gets it. Yeah, he does. So my argument with the, the uh, Twitter follower, this guy Dan from Oregon, it went down this whole path, and he kept pitching the value of what he called blue-collar states and cities. 
And I kept asking him, like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Blue collar states and cities. And then eventually he got to the point about 10 text in where he's like, the liberals are going to destroy college football. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I knew that's where we were going. We just had to get there. Yeah. And then that was the end of the conversation. So Perfect. I was like, yeah, you just say that from the beginning. You, for you, this is political. You know, for me, Every, it's everything. It's, it, because for everything me, is. Because everything can boil down to it. You're right. Great week. Thanks, Ari. Thanks, company. Thanks, Adam.